0: So if you have a Bible, turn with me to actually Mark chapter 4. We're going to be in verse 26. And I want to read to you a passage that we're actually going to um, use this passage to kind of frame up this sermon. But the title of this sermon is simply Buried to Grow. Buried to Grow. And you're going to see why in just a second. But let me ask you a question before we dive into this. How many of you ever feel like your timing and God's timing just doesn't line up? You ever feel like that? You're like, God, I feel like you don't understand my calendar. Anybody ever have that, that, that conversation with God? Like, I needed you to come through like this Wednesday and you're really late. Let's just be really honest. Anybody ever feel like God is just late? Um, we all have times in our lives when we feel like God has forgotten us, right? We all have times in our lives where we feel like God is just not on time, he doesn't understand the season of our life, he doesn't understand the stress that we're under, and we just feel like he doesn't understand our schedule, right? Anybody ever feel like that? So that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, this idea of being buried to grow, this idea of our timing does not always match God's timing. So let me read a passage to you, and then we're going to talk about it, okay? It's Mark 4, starting in verse 26, and this is actually a parable that Jesus tells, and this is Jesus speaking. He says, Jesus also said, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Now watch this in verse 27. Night and day, while he's asleep or while he's awake, watch this, the seed sprouts and grows, and if, if you're reading an actual paper Bible, underline this, or if you highlight this in your, in, your, in your phone Bible, however you read it. It says, But he does not understand how it happens. Think about that. So he scatters some seeds night and day while he's asleep or awake. The seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crops on its own. First, a leaf blade pushes through. Then the heads of wheat are formed. And finally, the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle. For the harvest time has come. We're going to talk about this. But let me give you a little context as to why Jesus actually shares this parable with his disciples. Jesus is actually trying to give his disciples this perspective of patience. Because his disciples... When Jesus shows up on the scene, they're expecting Jesus to be like this king that's going to arrive on scene. He's going to establish this new order. They're going to go to war. And Jesus is literally going to—the kingdom of heaven is going to come on earth right then and there. And a new order is going to be established. Everybody's going to be set free. And they want the kingdom of God to come right now. And here's what Jesus is saying. He says, but hold on. The kingdom of God actually comes in stages. It happens slowly. It comes in these stages. So he tells this parable. It's kind of like a seed. You throw it on the ground. The seed lands into the ground. And then there is this period where it's buried. And you kind of forget about the seed, right? And there is this season where it feels like there's any any gardeners in here? (laughs) Like you put the seed down and you're like, I hope this works, right? And And you wait 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 some more. And then one day you finally see it sprouting. That's what Jesus is trying to tell them. The kingdom of God is much like that. It's a lot like that. Sometimes you're going to plant a seed. And sometimes when you plant that seed, you're going to go into this season of not harvesting, but waiting. And oftentimes what we want in our own lives, I think this parable is so relatable to our lives, because we want to plant a seed and we want to harvest the seed right then and there, don't we? Here's what you have to understand. Your destiny, your purpose in life is not a drive through it's Chef's Table. Here's what I mean by that. It's not like you can just drive through and say, all right, I want purpose, God, now. I want my life to make sense right now. Has anybody ever seen the show on Netflix called Chef's Table? If you have not watched it, go watch it. It's freaking amazing. And it's so cool because what they do is they take these chefs who genuinely are obsessed with their craft of making the best possible food and it shows the great lengths that they go through to get the food not only are they preparing this amazing food night and day but they go into like the amazon jungle they have one chef who uses this is crazy he uses ants to like salt his food He's using all these different ingredients. So you have these chefs, you show up at their restaurant and you get this crazy cool experience. You taste this food and you're like, I've never tasted flavors like this. But you have a chef who's in the kitchen that says, it took me five years to develop those flavors. I don't know about you, but it doesn't take five years to develop a McDonald's cheeseburger. <laughs> it may take five years to get out of your system after you eat that cheeseburger. <laughs> But see, we want a lot of us, if we're honest though, we want our purpose and we want our destiny to work like fast food. I just ordered it, God, and where are you? Like most of us, if we, I, I was at Dairy Queen the other day with my kids and I ordered a, a bunch of food for them and we're waiting out there and it took like 10 minutes and I thought like the world was burning down. I'm like, this is just way too slow, Right? But a lot of us look at our purpose, we look at our destiny, we look at the things that God has placed inside of us, even our dreams, and we want it to work like this, and what Jesus is trying to say, watch this, this is so important, sometimes it's like a, a seed that you scatter on the ground, and it gets buried into the ground, and then I love the verse where it says, but he does not even understand, the farmer doesn't even understand how this seed produces. So oftentimes when we are in that waiting season, when we are buried in the ground and we feel like God's forgotten us, that is the moment that we're actually growing the most. But we lose sight of that because we live in a culture today that wants to harvest before we plow. (laughs) We live in a culture today that wants to harvest before we plow. We don't want to get out and do the groundwork, right? I mean, you don't make it, if you're a farmer, you don't make any money while you're plowing, do you? You're getting the dirt ready. It's the hard work. You're out there sweating. You're, you're doing everything that you need to do to get the ground ready to receive the seed. See, in, in, different, in this passage, you see three different things going on with the seed. Three different stages, I would say. You see the scattering stage. This is the stage where you have to plow the ground or the seed will not set. This is where you've got to break up the dirt. So before you scatter the seed, the ground is ready to receive the seed, right? Maybe some of you are there right now. Then you have the sprouting stage. This is where you start seeing some fruit, but you've got to continue to nurse the fruit in order for it to flourish into what it needs to become. And then you have the growing stage. This is where the seed is finally out of the soil, it's endured the weather, and it's ready to be harvested. And I think oftentimes in life, it's very healthy for us to take inventory as to where we are at in those stages, because it can help us. Are you in a stage where you're just, your seed is being scattered right now? Maybe your dream, your destiny, you're trying to figure out what that is. Because if you're right there, then you've got to understand it's okay that it's going to take some time for me to get what I want to be, right? I remember when I first, my first year of college, I remember looking back and seeing all that my parents had had and the house that they lived in and everything that they had. And that's the, the, the stupidity of a young man, right? You look at your parents, you're like, I want everything you have now, <laughs> right? But what you don't realize, it took them, what, 20, 25 years to get to that place. Or are you in a sprouting stage? Where maybe you've surrendered your life to Jesus and you're starting to produce some fruit, but maybe you have some old habits that's kind of choking that, and so you've got to nurse it. Or are you in a growing stage? Where are you at? I I would say this, that our challenge as people of faith is to synchronize our faith with God's schedule. (laughs) Our challenge as people that follow Jesus is to get in line with our faith to go, okay, God, your timing is not always my timing. So I'm gonna synchronize my faith with your schedule. See, it would not be a challenge if God would mark harvest on your calendar, would it? (laughs) If you knew like, well, October 12th, God's gonna come through for me big time During this date, well, then what do you do when you're buried in the ground and you're that seed that the dirt is over and you feel like nothing's happening? You can endure, right? You endure because God's got harvest marked on your calendar. You know that things are eventually going to work out. You can keep yourself occupied during that season knowing that a harvest was going to come. But the question comes down to this. How do you patiently wait when you serve a God who refuses to show you his schedule? How do we get into a place where we can still have faith, we can still pursue the Lord, we cannot be deflated, we can still walk around with great faith, serve the Lord, know that God is for us, know that God loves for us, and that he's taking care of us, even when we feel like we're buried in the ground. See, the real test of a seed when you plant it is can it survive the soil? Can that seed survive the soil? Because the real work of the seed is done in the soil, isn't it? So here's what you have to understand. If you have some dreams, if you have some hopes, if you have some expectations for the future, you have to understand that the groundwork is going to be done in the soil. The things that nobody sees. The truth is, your character is built when nobody is watching. The things that really affect your life are things that nobody sees. The things that you do when nobody's around, the things that you do when nobody is around you, that is really what affects who you are. See, sadly, most dreams die in the soil. Sadly, most marriages die in the soil. Because you go through a season when you feel like God is not for you, you go through a season when you're, you're marked with a challenge. And rather than that challenge bringing you together, you allow it to separate you and push you apart. And rather than fighting with each other, you start fighting against each other. Rather than allowing this opportunity to grow you and shape you, it drives you apart. See, usually in the soil, that's when God does his greatest work. When you don't know what's on the calendar, (laughs) you don't know what's up next. And guess what? That's where real faith comes in. Can I tell you something? It's easy to have faith when your bank account looks really good, doesn't it? It's easy to have faith when you're in a tough situation in a job that you don't like and you already have another job offer and you know that you're going to quit next week and go to this one. I just have so much faith right now. Oh, of course you do because you know what's happening next. How do you have faith in the soil when you are planted in the soil of uncertainty? When you don't know what's next, listen to me, when you find yourself in uncertainty... That is when your faith is genuinely tested. When you find yourself in the ground of going, I don't know what's next, God. I don't, I don't know how I'm going to make it next week. Or I don't know how this is going to work out. Or I'm trusting for a loved one. Maybe some of you moms, dads, maybe you been pr- praying for a prodigal for years. Like, when is my son or my daughter going to come home? maybe you've sowed that seed you've done the groundwork and sometimes listen here's what the farmer has to do and this is a true test of faith you put the seed in the ground and then what do you do you walk away and you step back and you say god it's in your hands now that's the hardest thing isn't it to get to a place where you say you know what there is nothing that i can do i can't control how the seed grows i've done what i could i've tilled the ground i've got it ready And by the time I planted the seed, I have done everything that I can, and now, God, it is completely and totally in your hands. Can I just encourage you with something, if if you're married especially? Don't let your marriage die in the soil. The soil, when you are buried down in there, is when the enemy can do his greatest work or God can do his greatest work. Here's what I've learned over the past few years is that when you find yourself at odds, when you find yourself in the midst of uncertainty, you can allow all the lies of the enemy to come in and say, well, God's never going to take care of you. He's never for you I- at all. You know, you screwed up. You messed up. God's not going to get you out of this. Or you can come to the other side of going, God, you're, you're all I have right now. You are all I have right now. What do I do? I'm going to trust you. See, verse 26 again The kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters the seed on the ground night and day, but while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts, and watch this, and grows. But he does not understand how it happens. See, I read that a few times this week, and it hit me when it says, but he does not understand how it happens. Because oftentimes when you are in the soil, the entire time you're going, God, why? And when finally God finally comes through, you go, oh. Exactly true. Now I see why. Now I see why. Because here's, here's, the, here's the, the trouble in all of this. The trouble in all of this is God's saying, I need to bury you. <laughs> I need to have you in that soil of uncertainty. I need you there because there's some things that you have to learn. You think you have faith, but you don't really know what it means right now. You think your marriage is strong, but it's going to be stronger if you just trust me. You think your relationship with God is good, but I promise you if you just stay down there for a little bit longer, it says, but he does not understand how it happens. See, oftentimes the way that God works in our life is not usually particularly the way that we would choose, is it? (laughs) Like, God, I probably would have chose a different route. (laughs) I probably would have chose a different mechanism of growth. And God says, no, this is the one that's going to grow you up the easiest or it's going to be the best for you. Let's put it this way. Let's look at it in two different perspectives. It's easy when you're in the role of the farmer. And sometimes you find yourself in seasons of life where you're the farmer. You plant the seed and you simply harvest it. And that's it. What about when you find yourself in the role of the seed? It's hard when you're in the role of the seed. Why? Because the truth is you don't really know the intentions of the one that planted you, do you? You don't really know the intentions of the one that put you there. So you have to trust, did this guy do the groundwork? (laughs) Did he till the ground? Like, I'm just going to be buried down in this hole and I have no idea what's going to happen. But you have to understand that every time God buries you, his intentions are always good. So you don't know the intentions of the one that put you there in the first time, in the first place. So your life is a seed. Your purpose is a seed. Your dream is a seed. And yes, yes, it takes faith to plant a seed, but it takes a whole lot more faith to be the seed and stay down there and trust the process, doesn't it? My wife, we were talking about this yesterday, and she said something that was so profound. She said, so many people want a God dream, but they don't want a God process. So many people, we sit and we say, we want the harvest, right? God, I want your dream. And God says, oh, you want my dream? Well, guess what? The only way that you're going to get there is you're going to have to be buried in the ground and you're going to have to go through a process that's going to hurt and it's going to suck and you're going to have things that you go through and you walk through and it's going to be painful. See, most of us want a God dream, but we don't want a God process. Look, if you want a God dream, then you have to go through a God process. There are some stages of faith, listen to me, people, where there's nothing that you can do. And the only thing that you can do is step back and say, okay, God, it's better when you're in control, not me. But the reason we keep screwing it up is because we keep saying, no, no, I need to be in control because when we have our hands on the wheel, we kind of can somewhat feel like we're in control. But the truth is, control is just an illusion, isn't it? (laughs) It's one grand illusion. Because you can think you're in control, and then what happens? Something unexpected happens, and then you realize you're not really in control. See, sowing a seed means putting it in the ground, releasing it, and stepping back. You step back, and then here's, here's the part where you have to trust. You trust the soil to do the work. You trust the farmer that he put you there in the first place, and that he has good soil for you, and that ultimately you're going to sprout in that soil. But the truth is, we hate uncertainty don't we how many just show of hands how many of you just love the feeling when you're not in control nobody how many of you love the feeling when you are in control bump your husband or your wife (laughs) but i need you to understand something this morning every seed buried in the soil is protected by god Every seed buried in the soil is protected by God. You ever held a seed in your hand, how it has that hard shell around it? It goes into the soil with this outer shell, knowing all of the elements that it's about to endure. And so God gives it this hard outer shell to be prepared for what it's about to endure. I found this quote by Cynthia Oselli, and I thought it was so good. It says this, For a seed to achieve its greatest expression... It must come completely undone. The shell cracks, its insides come out, and everything changes. Now watch this. To someone who doesn't understand growth, it would look like complete destruction. To someone who doesn't understand how growth works, it would look like complete destruction. Can the seed of your faith survive the soil that you're about to walk into? Can your relationship with Jesus right now survive the next season when you get buried? There's always going to be times in your life where it seems like God is not on time, but I want you to understand he's always on schedule. <laughs> he's always on schedule. And the truth is, how long can you stay buried in the soil and listen to me and remain faithful? How long can you stay down there and still say God is truly That's the true test of our faith, isn't it? That's the true test of living out what we say that we believe. That I can be buried and I can still say, God is good. About nine months ago, um, Claire and I were praying and we felt like God told us to sell our house. And uh, so we put it on the market and it sold really quickly. And then... We were excited, and then reality hit, like, we, we don't have a place to live. <laughs> and so we, we ended up moving into a rent home that, honestly, we, it was not, it, we just didn't like it. You ever find yourself in a situation where you're like, fine, God, like, I'll just do what you want me to do, but I'm going to be like, I'm going to pout the whole way, you know? That's like the kid in the candy shop, like, hey, you can get some candy, but you can only have one. Fine, I'll just take one, you know? That's kind of how we were. And for nine months, we're stuck in this house, and I'm just like, did I make the wrong decision? You ever question yourself? You're like, I'm pretty sure I heard God. And then I'm still stuck in, like, God, where are you? What's going on? So I feel like we're in this rent house from hell. We we literally... (laughs) We get the the second, the day that we move into the rent house, we have a brand new baby. So it's literally like, hey, you're in a rent house you hate, and here's a baby. (laughs) Along with your other five children. Good luck. (laughs) Then my dad's health goes, and then there's struggle after struggle after struggle. And there's all these things that are creating this perfect storm to just go. I want to quit. Is God not for me? Where's he at? It's been nine months, and I feel like I've walked through hell the past nine months. And you go, God, where are you? What's going on? I'm pretty sure I clearly heard you. And here's what happens a lot of times. Sometimes God speaks to us, and watch this. We go, Well, God told us, so obviously we're going to walk into this incredible season. God spoke to us. We were obedient to what he said. We walk into the season, we're like, this sucks. (laughs) Here's what I want you to understand, though. And here's what I'm learning right now. Is that oftentimes when God speaks to you, you can't weigh out all the options. Your job sometimes is just to be obedient. It's just to be obedient. So... Claire and I, so we're in this house for nine months, and we had made a, we had made a commitment to each other uh, a month ago. We said before August 1st, we're going to be out of this house. Before August 1st, we're going to be out of this house. Well, what is it? It's like July 29th. As of yesterday, I'm like, we're still in this house. And my wife's like, we said by August 1st. We're gonna, I'm like, babe, there's no way. Thinking God, we missed that we did not hear from God. August first is not going to happen. So yesterday, we went, My wife wakes up early. She goes on a run. I get up. I'm drinking some coffee. We're sitting down on the couch and we're scrolling through, and we see this new listing of this house. My wife's like, "Let me just call it." So she, she calls it, and uh, I'm drinking. I'm, I'm like enjoying myself. I'm reading my Bible and drinking my coffee. She comes back in. She said, "The guy says we need to be there in 30 minutes." It's like, 30 minutes? What are you talking about? We've got kids running around in underwear and diapers. This is not happening. <laughs> 30 minutes. So if you're a parent, you know, you're like mad dash. Like Tim's got his, his he's got shoes on the wrong foot, shirts inside out, like shorts are backwards. It's like, I'm like, just get in the van. <laughs> so we're shoving them all in the van and we show up to this house and I'm like, man, this is an amazing house. It's exactly what we want. But I was like, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, right? There's, there's just no way the timing's going to work. Long story short, we're in the house and we're looking at it, and my wife is like, "I love this house." You know, when you're, you ever seen that? Has anybody ever seen Napoleon Dynamite? Do you remember that scene with this with the sailboat? When she's like selling the sailboat, and she looks over to it, she's like, "I want that." <laughs> it was like my wife. She's like, "I want this," and my wife leans over at me and she goes, "Tell me, want it?" I was like, "Are you are you crazy?" How, how, we don't even know how this is going to work. And it just came out. I was like, we want it. I was like, oh my God, what did I just say? <laughs> and then you go into this phase, we get back in the van. I'm like, it's your fault. <laughs> you told me. Long, long, long story short, yesterday I walked out with the keys. Yeah. So go back to that. The kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground night and day while he is sleeping or awake. The seed sprouts and grows, but watch this, but he does not understand how it happens. See, when you're buried, you oftentimes don't know the intentions of the one that buried you, and you don't know what the farmer's up to, do you? Because you're down in this hole going, hey, I'm this little seed down here, and, and God, have you forgotten about me? But I want you to understand, you're still on schedule. (laughs) God's not late, ever. Grace accounts for every opportunity that you've ever missed or opportunity that you've ever wasted. And let me prove it to you. Do you remember the story of Lazarus? The story of Lazarus is, I'll just read it to you. John 11, verse 1 through 6. John 11, verse 1 through 6. Verse 1, it says, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So watch this. The brother's sick. So they go, verse 3, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Verse 4, when he heard this, Jesus said, the, <laughs> the sickness will not end in death. no. It is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, watch this, he was not moved with any urgency. He stayed where he was two more days. So they send word to Jesus, you need to get down here. If you don't come heal this man right now, he's going to die and it's going to be too late. Well, if you keep reading in the story... Lazarus dies Jesus isn't in a rush He's not in a hurry He's like you know what I know he's sick But I got some work to do I'm gonna stay here for two more days And it seems like The story is over Because in the world that we live in right Death is like that's it's kind of (laughs) over He's dead God Like you missed it Right Like we're prepared they've already like we've already had a funeral He's already buried. His body is decomposing. You missed it. See, Jesus may look late, but what he has on his schedule is always better than what we have. Because you read and you you flip over to John 11, verse 38, says, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Verse 39, so it's like Jesus walks up on this scene and he just says, take away the stone. And he said, but, the, but Lord, Mar- said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor. You don't want to remove that stone, for he has been in there for four days. Verse 40, I love this. Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said for this benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you've sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with stripes of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off his grave clothes and let him go. Now watch this. If Jesus would have came when they wanted him to, we would have never had this story. We never would have had this testimony of like, can you believe this? Lazarus was dead in the tomb and Jesus said Lazarus come forth and he came out. Dude, he was dead for 4 days. You imagine the word that began to spread all over the city about what Jesus had done. See what we see as death, God sees as an opportunity. What we see when it's over, like, I am buried, I am done, I'm clocked out. God says, no, no, this is just a better opportunity for me to work. So I want to bring it to a close with this. There may be things in your life, dreams in your life. Maybe a marriage, you feel like, I mean, I'm just holding on by a thread, And you're thinking to yourself, it's over, it's dead. There's nothing left. And Jesus is saying, but don't I resurrect dead things? (laughs) Isn't my timing, not your timing? Aren't the things that I do so much better than the ways that you have? Can I tell you in the past nine months of us being at that place, I've grown so much more spiritually than I ever have in my entire life. Pain will do that to you. And listen, you, you have two choices in this life when you walk through pain. I don't know if you knew that. know this. You can get better or you can get bitter. It's, it's your choice. Like That's the greatest thing that God gives us. We have a choice. And he doesn't remove that from us. He doesn't take our choice away from us. Listen, it's your choice whether you want to stay stuck where you are now or if you want to move on. The beauty of the gospel is you can have as much as Jesus as you really want. It's up to you. How much do you want? You want to be free? You can have it. Freedom requires maybe a little bit of pain sometimes, but I promise you it's worth going through. Maybe you find yourself, you're not the farmer. You're like, I'm not planting and I'm surely not harvesting right now. I am the seed buried in the ground. But I can promise you that seed and that soil that encompasses you, God is doing some work in it. He's shaping some things. He's developing character. He's stretching and building your faith. I've learned so much more about faith in this season of my life Or it's just like, all right, let's do it. And going, oh my God. (laughs) Let's go for it. This season of our life, it's crazy because when Claire and I would have first got married, it probably would have been something that we fought about constantly. And it's just been something that's just brought us together. It's like, you know what? This is not gonna ruin us. This is life. We all go through things. We all go through difficulties. We all have regrets. We all have shame. We all have things that we wish that we would have never done. And you can stay in that place or you can move on. And I just pray that, that those two scriptures would encourage you this morning. When it says in Mark that when that seed is planted and it grows and it sprouts and it's harvested, but it says, we don't know how God does it, but just know that he's doing it. <laughs> Just know that he's doing it. And then when you read the story of Lazarus, I mean, the dude's dead. And God resurrects dead things. It's only a prophecy of what is to come, what's about to happen in in Jesus's own life. Let me close with this. The same power that resurrected Jesus from the dead, you have access to. You have access to. There's nothing special because I'm a pastor. Some people may think that. That's just laughable to me. (laughs) These hands are no different than yours. This faith is no different than yours. You have the same access to God that I do. Nothing special. That's what I love about Jesus. He puts everybody on the same playing field. Pastors, prophets, priests, regular people. We all have the access to God. And we can have as much of him as we want. And our job is just to trust God in the midst of the soil. In the midst of the soil. Listen, God doesn't want your sacrifice. He just wants your obedience. He doesn't want you to keep saying, God, I'm gonna keep doing, I'm gonna keep doing, I'm gonna keep doing, I'm gonna keep doing. He says, no, just obey what I told you to do. And sometimes that obedience results in a little bit of pain, but it's only so that God can can grow you because he has a better alternative in mind for you.